Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire podcast. Check us out, as always, mwwire.com, Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff, MWC Wire or Mountain West Wire. You know you know the drill, subscribe, all that fun stuff, listen to our podcast, thank you for tuning in. Another one where Jeremy's going solo, you can throw stuff at him if you want, or hit, don't hit pause or delete, but it's uh, just me by myself, us scheduling stuff off-season, we kind of record stuff as we go. Uh, this particular episode uh, is going to be NFL Draft-centric, non-Josh Allen version. Well, there's a smidge of Josh Allen in here as we will uh, chat with Jonah Tolls over at N- uh, at Jonah Tolls NFL. So we want to give him a follow on Twitter. Uh, we inter- we recorded this interview about a week or so ago, mostly about Rashard Penny because he had a pretty nice piece about how he could fit into the league. He does other stuff at NDT Scouting LLC on Twitter, so check out everything he does. He does great stuff. I just happened to stumble across a piece on Penny where – People are thinking Penny's shooting up the draft boards. We go over that senior bowl performance just a little bit just because of that one uh, couple big plays. He had the catch over the shoulder down that down the sideline, the sidestep to basically leave a guy in the dust for a huge play. He's touched down on that one. He had another big run as well. We talk about him, talk about what makes a great running back. We do get into quarterbacks a little bit. We talk a little more specifically, Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup, just a wide receiver who he likes, who he doesn't like. And there's a few different things in there, but it's a, it's a good good show here. I'm glad people are tuning in, but we're getting NFL draft uh, fever, I guess. The combine's coming up pretty soon, I believe uh, February 28th. So we're still about a good two weeks away. But as our plan is, we're striving to bring you a football podcast each and every week during the offseason, plus basketball always. Uh, the plan was to do a little bit, um, some S&P Plus, FPI, a little bit more towards 2018 preview. We'll sidestep that. Uh, we New Mexico football is un, underway spring football. If you do tune into this and you didn't get to check out our one with Daniel Libet, it's going to have a bonus podcast we did last, I believe, Sunday. He's over at nmfishbowl.com. He's done a ton of stuff. I know some Lobo fans like, oh, he's terrible. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just an axe to grind. Well, when your axe to grind is uh, – I, I I, sorry, I shouldn't even say that. When that's perceived from other people, but when you're doing work where you're uncovering allegations of – uh, you know, you've seen it out there, like racial slurs potentially covering up like sexual assault or trying to in that team meeting, which led to get dirt in the girl. It's not a good situation. He's suspended. Well, some, we have articles up on the site, but if you stumble across this wanting draft stuff, that's a good one to go back and listen to. A few things have happened since that last podcast. Uh, Davey trying to not be suspended. A lot of movie stuff going on now that now that he is out. But it's just one of the other ones that I think if you found me here wanting Richard Penny talk which you'll get momentarily go tune into that one as well because it's just fascinating about the timeline not even we don't even dive super deep into all the allegations but kind of go over like big picture stuff like oh it's a technicality why was he not interviewed how long is this going on and there's all sorts of stuff going on but that's a good one to listen to again we got basketball each and every week selection Sundays coming up pretty soon so make sure to check out our basketball podcast and again thanks for subscribing and now let's uh, get to our interview with Jonah Tolls oh also side note real quick I had a slight issue with my recording equipment. I had a new program. Um, so I unfortunately had to – I sound – well, I won't say good. Who knows who if you like my voice or not. But my quality 
sounds pretty good, but I had to just unplug my uh, headphones and record directly to my computer. So the first about 30 seconds is a little off, and he Jonah doesn't sound great, so I apologize to him for that because I usually like to do a good job, get good audio quality, good recording, but I didn't want to miss out the info, so hopefully the info trumps that. And I think it still sounds okay, um, good enough, but there's a lot of good stuff, so thanks for listening. And, hey, give Jonah Tolls a follow and do what you do and listen to us and hope you enjoy the show and uh, get ready for some draft talk, folks. All right, now we're joined by some NFL draft talk. What's the plan today? Uh, Jonah Tools, who does a lot of draft stuff, been doing it for a little bit of a while over at NDT Scouting uh, Twitter. Just uh, Jonah Tools, T-U-L-S NFL. So first off, uh, thanks for hopping on because we're going to talk some Richard Penny because Aztec fans want me to do that. Excellent. So what do you – you've been learning stuff. So what do you look for when you're looking at draft prospects? I have a big picture. It's, um, like what's your – like we're going to talk about Richard Penny, so maybe kind of that running back spot not just him at the moment, but when you look at running backs, whether it be from the big 12 or like NAIA or smaller division schools, like I guess Aztecs sort of fall in that mix a tiny bit. How do you, how would you look at a guy from like a smaller place to like Saquon Barkley or somebody's like plays best, best competition basically every week. Whereas like I said, D2 FCS, Richard Penny gets maybe half the defenses that are comparable to those guys who play obviously the power five type of stuff. It doesn't matter how fast you are, it doesn't matter how powerful you are. If you can't read in between the tackles or read outside the zones, you aren't going to be able to succeed in the next level. Now, in terms of looking at a big school prospect as a small school guy, you got to look. You got to weight the level of competition. You just said it. Saquon Barkley going against Big Ten competition is obviously a much better test than a guy going up against Alcorn State, for example. Mm-hmm. So you got to, you have to weigh that differently, but still the same thing. You look at the traits, and this guy is absolutely destroying the competition. I was once told, you know, I once heard this before when I was early in town that you have to, I mean, you have to walk across, you have to walk on hard to be a good, to really be a standout small school guy. If you're a small school guy and you're playing against teams that are going to be, you know, doctors or dentists at the next level, not <laughs> yeah. players, you know, you're going to have to walk on water. You're going to have to really just, you know, absolutely blow away the competition. And if small school guys don't do that, then I don't know how high you can value them. So do you consider, but, like, you Penny, know, is he like a small school guy kind of? Well, you still have to look at the traits. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, it's not like you're going to diminish all small school guys, but if if they have, you know, the ability to play at the next level, you're going to see it. And it's not like, if you, you'll see, you'll be able to see that the eye test, you'll be able to see the combine, if they test well, if their traits match up, then you got to take them seriously. Okay, so let's just kind of get into Richard Penny, because you stuff you've written, you did a pretty extensive, uh, I think a couple of breakdowns of him, what he can do, because there's all people like in my neck of the woods, like he didn't get a, like Heisman invite, that's tough to do when they only invite three guys. But like even for the uh, Doak Walker and those type of things that people are upset because he, like I know it's not pure numbers, but it's just something where like, well, he had six 200-yard rushing games, that bowl game being that sixth one. So like how does that compare? Like I know you said level competition, but like when he's playing against Stanford, it has like 175 or does good things when he's playing. Like there's some decent defenses in the Mountain West. Like Boise State's usually pretty good. But when he goes off for that many yards, like should he like – I haven't. I should have looked at your rankings overall. But where do you like have him? Like your top five, top ten. Like where does he? Like what do you see from him from having those just eye popping numbers? Because you know traits, but and then you saw Senior Bowl. It's like well, Senior Bowl games kind of whatever, really. But he showed off some moves there with about a twenty yards every time he touched the ball. Yeah. So Penny is my fourth running back right now, and I know that I have him a lot higher than a lot of other analysts do right now. But I really do think he's a complete ball carrier. 
So when you look at him, as you look at the schedule, you mentioned the small school stuff. It, I don't consider San Diego State to be a small school. I think it's more like a mid-major. But when you go against teams like Stanford, and you have your best game of the season, I think, per competition against Stanford, that's a good that's a good thing to have on your resume. And Rashad Penny is one of those guys who can win with power, with burst, and win with vision. Three of the biggest things I look for in running back is the guy, can, can he explode through the hole after reading it? And can he um, get yards after contact? Those are two of the biggest things I look for in a running back. And then I think a lot of people get caught up in the pass protection and the fact that he won't be as reliable early on in his career in that kind of role. But he wasn't asked to do that a lot at San Diego State because they were asking, they're giving him the ball. Yeah. They were asking to pass protect a lot because they were either get handing him the ball or throwing a screen to him or throwing a wheel route to him. Yeah, and they also so have... I don't think he has much experience in pass protection. I think it's something you can learn, you can ease into in the NFL with more coaching. But I think a lot of college running backs don't get that anyways because they're always the future player in their offense. But I think Penny, when you look at him as opposed to the other running backs in this class, he is the most complete ball carrier in terms of vision, burst, and power. So I think so too. Like also, it helps Aztecs have Nick Bodden at fullback who could people like him quite a bit for is that senior bowl people saying he's like nfl ready so that helps too and again that just probably like we were chatting before a couple weeks ago talking about draft stuff senior bowl stuff in our other podcast we do with just a regular mountain west stuff like practice stuff it's like that's like what are you gonna what are you really gonna show in practice at the senior bowl yeah, pass blocking every rookie running back's gonna struggle for like what 95 percent of them like even with ezekiel elliott and the cowboys he struggled a little bit he's a huge guy but still takes some time to learn that a cream hunt with the chiefs this past year it's like it's a trait that like you said if you're you're the guy why are they gonna be block they want you to touch the ball as many times as possible and so it's like the practice is like whatever he catches in the game he can catch the ball he returns the ball he'll do kicks punts like I for me I think like you mentioned like before like you see him maybe as a second round pick I think he could take up basically three positions on a team because look at how many punt return kick excuse me kick returns he has for touchdowns look how look at that pass he had in the senior bowl it's it was a pretty good catch like you mentioned a will route which that sort of was but that pass and catch the senior bowl was like over the shoulder behind a defender's head he caught it then looked up and did the sidestep to fake the guy out and so I think. That's why he could go higher because NFL, you only got 53 guys. If you could take up two or three spots, you're more valuable than a guy who's just going to tote the ball or just a one-note guy. Yeah, and in a matchup league, it's kind of positionless football. You want a guy who can play you know, multiple spots. You just mentioned it. And to me, when you look at Penny, Penny's a much better receiver than he gets credit for. Because you look at his frame, you know, 5'11", 225 pounds. Like, oh, this guy's a, you know, has a running back build, you know, a workhorse back. That's what he is. But, he can also play on third down, helping the passing. We saw it all year on tape. He runs great routes. He has good hands. He was absolutely incredible in those wheel routes that San Diego State ran. And then you look at the senior bowl game when Kurt Benkert rolled out to his left and he found Penny on the, on, when he's streaking on the sideline. Penny made a great catch and he pinned, pinned the quarterback next to him on the sideline. So he has some nuance to him as a receiver, and I think he's a much better player in the aspect of the game than people give him credit for. But, again, what Penny's going to offer to you, Penny's going to offer you immediate impact in the running game. He's going to give you a guy who's going to maybe give you 20 carries a game. He can be a workhorse for you, but then that third down ability is something that he can offer to you. And then obviously you mentioned the kick return, that return game stuff, which he has to do for you too. That's another spot of the game where he just gives you more impact. So I'm in the business of drafting impact playmakers, and Rashad Penny is one of those guys. Does his size really matter? Because he's like, what, he likes a 5'11", just over 200 pounds. Does that really matter too much? Because people will probably no. compare later, but Donald Pumphrey's teammate before was a small guy, also. No, I mean, like a five eleven. I think five eleven is just about right for a running back. I think once you 
I really don't think, I think height is the most overvalued <laughs> thing for a running back. If anything, being smaller helps you. Yeah. As a, being, being as, you're harder to tackle, you're a guy who's harder to find in the backfield. Being smaller helps you. I think when you look at a running back, you look at frame. I think that's what hurt Pumphrey. Pumphrey, like 150, 170. Mm-hmm. That's not going to get done in the NFL as a world course running back. Obviously, you're going to take a lot of hits. It's not going to work. But if you get over 200 to 210 range, I'm perfectly fine with you as a running back in the NFL because you guys look at guys like Alvin Kamara. Kamara's not a big guy by any stretch of the imagination. But this guy was, you know, rookie, offensive rookie of the year. You look at guys like that, you look at guys like Penny, I really don't think size is a big thing. You know, if, if people are knocking for height, they're looking for a way to knock him because height is one mm. of the most overvalued things at the running back at the running back position. That's what I told people last. I know Pumphrey for a second his weight, like he said, one sixty seven. Like I was looking around, like comparing backslash, like I mean, Cowboys fans, like, oh, I grew up watching Emmett Smith. He's a tiny guy, but he's still like two ten. He's like just a box essentially. Yeah. So if you got that width to you and you're small, you can fit to the hole. Like you said, you're smaller, not smaller, but just harder to find, harder to take down just because of your height. But if you have the proportionate frame. It's like if you're 6'4", 190, or, or 6'4", 200, okay, great. But if you're 5'11", 215, what's the, you know what I mean? It's like you could tip the guy over who's 6'4", right. 200 pounds, essentially, and he doesn't hide. And so right. what would you say, let's go to the other end, because I know it's all glowing, and he's I think he's going to be a pretty good guy. But what would you say, like, the reason he would, I know the fourth running back's a high spot, but what are people negatively saying? Is it just because where he played, people don't see him, because a lot of the Aztecs games are late in CBS Sports Network, which, no excuse not to have it, but people make excuses when you're watching those games. What's the other side, like for you, where he could slip or he's not perceived as being as good as the other guys you have above him? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things about him, there's a couple of things. So I think you had mentioned the small school, San Diego State, only played a couple big games in his career. Um, Stanford, I thought he played the best, so I don't understand what the big criticism is there. But I think a lot of people see him as a guy who's not going to be so explosive after contact. They see him, you know, go down early for someone his size. I personally didn't see it, but I know a lot of respected colleagues saw that. Um, and then I think the biggest thing with Penny is his pass protection. A lot of people want to, I guess, they overemphasize the fact that he would not be able, he was not able to pass protect at a consistent level for San Diego State this season. And I, my main argument was just what I told you earlier in the segment was that I think he hasn't had enough experience in that role yet to be a guy you can judge, you know, mainly on that because he was either given the ball or he was throwing the ball. So it, when, when you get the training camp, it's giving me a big learn. It's, it's going to be a learning curve for him, as it is for most rookie running backs. Because like I said, most rookie running backs come in, you know, to the NFL not knowing how to pass protect because they're always given the ball. And then Penny falls in that scenario as well. So. Penny's obviously on that learning curve, but I think they're not acknowledging that a lot of rookie runners are also going to have those pass protection problems too because pass protection at college is not the same as pass protection in the NFL. So I think there's always going to be a learning curve for every running back going to the NFL in terms of pass protection. So I think people want to knock him more than they got like Sony Michelle, Darius Guys, you know, Carryon Johnson. I think they have to, you know, make an equal playing field for those kind of guys because Penny is going to have to learn just as much as those guys are. So to me, that's the biggest knock I, I've seen on Penny. But if that if that's the case, I mean, I I, th- I think it's I think it's weak. I think when Penny has the traits he has as a ball carrier, I think it overemphasizes the fact that I think he can be a top fifty player in this class. And I think mm-hmm. he can be one of the most pr- productive rookie running backs early on in his career. It's interesting too. It's like like I mentioned Ezekiel Elliott and other guys. Like they all 
you don't do it. It's, and then, like I said, Nick Bottom thing, not to repeat too much, but he's you have a pretty good fullback. And so basically, if you can get in, the, get in the guy's way, that's probably all they want you to do for the first little bit as a rookie. Like, if you could chip a guy to give your quarterback, like, half a second, like, that's good enough. You don't need to bulldoze a guy like a linebacker offensive lineman. But so is there a right. guy Is there a guy out there, like, who could? Like you said, everybody learns. Like, is there any backs say, okay, they'll be fine in pass blocking in the NFL? Or is it still wait and see until they actually see a real game and not preseason? Yeah, I, I think with every college running back, there's always going to be that adjustment with pass protection because you got different reads, you got different assignments at the NFL level. It's just, it's just different. Mm-hmm. So I think when pe- people are going to not penny for it, but every running back here, Barkley, guys, Ronald Jones, they're all going to have to learn it you know, differently at the next level because every team is different. So it's not like, you know, Ronald Jones would go to USC and he'd go to the freaking Jaguars and he's going to learn something different. This is not going to happen. So... You have, you have to give an equal plank to those guys in pass protection because they're all going to learn. But I do agree that Penny, his experience in his protection is limited, and when he was out there, he didn't show great. But at the same time, you know, these guys like Barkley and guys who have shown good have shown good reps in pass protection over their careers, they're going to have to have a learning curve as well. So if that's the biggest knock on Penny, I'll take it as a Penny supporter because I think his ball carrier traits um, definitely outmatch the, the weaknesses that people want to give him. Gotcha. And then, so what type of team? We'll chat about a few other players here in a second. But like, what you said, he's your fourth back, possibly second. What is your second to fourth round pick? Like second to ceiling. Like, what team? I know it's hard to tell because free agency is still going on. But like, is there any particular NFL team where you're doing like going over mock drafts, creating some sort of board, like team fits that you'd say, okay, he can come in and maybe not do it. Kamara did, which is amazing, or Kareem Hunt, who are at very good rookie seasons. But is there a team you're looking at like this would be a good fit for him because? Say there's another back who could like split time. Not that Penny's gonna start week one like Hunt did, but it's like, is there a team fit? Like, okay, this would be a great fit for him maybe like a year or two where he'll go in and play right away. Because I kind of thought with the Falcons and Brian Hill last year from Wyoming, there could be something if a guy loses a free agency. Is there like a fit you think where Penny team A, B, or C that would be great for him to start off fairly successful? Like I said, top fifty uh, rookie. Yeah, so I think there are two spots I've been looking at for Penny, and then one of them's Detroit. You yeah. look at them in the second <laughs> round. They're like in the 50s or so. Um, they're going to be a team that needs a starting running back. And I don't know if they're going to dive into free agency to find one or they're going to draft one or like a Darius guys in the first round. But Amir Abdullah and those boys, those guys have been giving them production. The Lions were dead last in rushing offense, so they need a running back here. And I think Rashad Payne can give them instant production as a, as a ball carrier. Um, may, you may come out on third down for Abdullah, but as long as there's an early down back, I think the Troy would be much better off with their offense. They look at Seattle. I think Seattle, even if they're not, you know, they don't take him in the second round, they give him in the third round. He's a guy that would instantly help their offense as well. The biggest thing with the Seahawks was that they didn't have an offensive line to yeah. help protect Russell Wilson, and their running game was absolutely dormant. Whenever Chris Carson went down, their Seahawks, the Seahawks running game was just, it was irrelevant to the game. And they relied on Russell Wilson to get the rushing yards for them. So I think Rashad Penny, bring that power back to the Seahawks offense. Game with a dual threat, the passing game and the running game, bring that power back. And I think that Rashad Penny can do that for Seattle. I think he'd be a perfect fit for the offense what Pete Carroll wants to do. One last team I thought of now, like with Oakland or whatever Vegas <laughs> Raiders, could that because Marshall yeah. Lynch not going to be there for much longer? If you know what I mean, so that could I think that would that be a decent spot maybe? Yeah, yeah. So when you look at a guy like uh, Marshall Lynch, you don't expect him to be in the long term plans because especially with you know new head coach John Gruden, you don't know what he thinks about Marshall Lynch. So he may want to bring in your running back early on in this draft, whether it is in the first round or the second round, or even the third round if he wants to wait for a guy like um, like Rashad Penny. 
So if, if Gruden wants to get a guy like Rashad Penny, I think he'll get early playing time because you, again, you don't know what he thinks of Marshall Lynch. And obviously, he's not a long-term plan because of his age. So you can see Penny getting a lot of looks in any team like Oakland. I think Oakland would be a great spot for any of these young running backs. One last team because I thought of it now. Um, I, like It's weird. I like the Cowboys. I grew up in Houston, so I sort of like the Texans as well. Lamar Miller's not very good either. Is could that? I know Texans have a lot more needs than maybe a running back, but I I think that might be somewhere as well where like split time. But just my thought because I know they have um do they, I think they still have the guy from San Jose State, Tyler Irvin, but he's not doing much of anything either. I don't know if that. What do you think about that? That be something where just because they don't really have a great guy that he could slide in and do something. I, I think Houston's tricky because you have Lamar Miller, and I think he's done good enough to stay in that mm-hmm. role for you for for the next two two or three years or so. But you drafted Deontay Foreman last year. In the third oh, round. that's right. I forgot about him as well. He, he, even though he, <laughs> he did get injured, you know, then the had a season-ending injury. But I think he is going to be able to come back from the end, be able to eventually just supplant Miller in a starting role. So I don't know if it would make sense to continue to spend a third-round pick on Deontay Foreman. Mm-hmm. But, again, I'm not the GM there, and the GM might do things differently. Oh, boy. There are situations it's – I forgot about Foreman, but oh, it's been frustrating the past while. Hey, I got a quarterback, so I'm good at that finally. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, injury. But uh, let's uh, switch over a couple more things to wrap this up, kind of. Um, so just some receiver stuff. Cause you mentioned Michael Gallup, Boise, or excuse me, Colorado State, and uh, Cedric Wilson, Boise State. Where do you put those two guys kind of overall? Like, um, first off, who do you think is better between the two? And then, like, kind of overall, where do you think those guys, draftable guys, I think most say yes. But just kind of give your quick thoughts on either, or not either, but both real quick. Yeah, so Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson are two of my favorite wide receivers in this class. So when you look at Michael Gallup, you look at a guy who's a top 60 player, a guy who's going to go on the first, like I said, 60 picks or so, a great route runner, a guy who can separate before the catch, separate after the catch, and separate at the catch point. Um, he's an all-level receiver, and I think he's a guy who kind of reminds me of Amani Toomer in the way, you know, old Giants receiver, mm-hmm. a guy who can really beat you in a lot of different ways, whether it's press coverage, off-coverage, zone, he really knows how to get open and find the open area. So Gallup, to me, is one of those guys who, you know, his frame may not look like it, but he's a very strong dude. And a guy who can just get up at the catch point and get off blocks. Um, to me, this is a guy that you want as a number two wide receiver. May never be a number one, but a great secondary option. I think a team that's going to draft him in the, you know, mid to late second round is going to have a steal in their hands. Then, obviously, the other guy, Boise State receiver Cedric Wilson, guy who really caught by the senior bowl. Um, I didn't really know much about him before Mobile, but when I went to watch him live, it's a different experience. He was the most improved player throughout the week. You know, on day one, you see him really struggling against press. You know, the long, lengthy frame. Not really great getting off, you know, the line of scrimmage with his release. But he's always great against off coverage. And then as the, season, as the week went along, um, you see him getting stronger more. He was, he was more aware of what he was doing at the line of scrimmage. He was able to get more nuance as the week went on. You could tell the coaches were getting into him. So... Cedric Wilson, to me, is only going to get better with more reps. And I know he's one of the most productive receivers from out Boise, but you look at his route running and off coverage, good luck guarding him and off because this guy has sweet feet for his size. He's very fluid and has great hands. This guy is going to be a player who could eventually, I wouldn't say become a number one receiver, but another guy who could be a number two guy who can help that off, who can help an offense immediately in this league. He needs to get stronger, but against off coverage and zone, this guy is a monster. I think he's going to be able to have an impact year as a rookie and an impact year and an impact career as he goes on. How big a deal? You mentioned how he improved just from learning from coaches. How 
how much they take into account. I see quite a bit where he's actually making adjustments and improving, even though it's the, not only, but the senior bowl type stuff practice for the week. Do they put a lot of stock in that saying improvement from day one to say day five? Like he's listening, he's learning, he's actually doing what we're telling him and being good at it. Yeah, I think it's a big, I think it's a big impact because you look at guys like Chuck Wilson who improved all week. You look at guys, you know, other players, you know, I'm not going to mention names, but they, they just like, you know, they decrease in production as the week goes on. It's like, it's almost like you're the coaching that gets you, you want to stick in your bad habits. And the corners learn your bad habits, and then all of a sudden you're getting beat in every one on one. Or Cedric Wilson, where he was getting beaten all a lot of press one on ones early on in the week, he eventually won every single one. You know, when we get to day three of practice, he was unguardable. And in the game, he didn't get many looks, but again, in practice is the most important part of the senior bowl. So you look at the practice throughout the week, Cedric Wilson was able to improve all week, and I think that shows a lot of coachability to the coaches and the scouts. And you're going to see a lot of coaches stand on the table for him in the board setting. So let's go back to Michael Gopp really quick. I've seen a few places like uh, Pro Football Focus, first round, CBS, sports notes, not technically a first-round pick, but a guy who can move up that high. Is there any team you think that would want to take Michael Gopp or is he worthy of maybe a somehow a late first-round pick? I think – I don't – I've told this before, show. I don't think Michael Gallup's going to be a first-round player. Um, I just don't see – I think in a deep wide receiver class, you're going to see a lot of teams content on waiting until the second or third round to take their guy. It is truly one of the deeper classes I've seen in the last five years. So when you look at Michael Gallup, I think you're going to see him – if he does go in the first round, if there's a team there, I think you got to look at New Orleans. I think you got to look at mm-hmm. New England. Those are the two teams that I can see taking a guy like Michael Gallup because he fits their offense perfectly. Gallup across Michael Thomas would be a great fit. I think you're a guy who could open up uh, Drew Brees' offense. You know, if you want a team, New Orleans is a team that could trade up for a quarterback, but they stay there. They're a team that's a win now squad, and I can see Michael Gallup fitting in their offense perfectly. New England the same way. New England wants to win now. I can see him taking Michael Gallup with that 31st pick. Okay, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool to get a first round pick. Okay, let's go to people know my feelings on Josh Allen. Mm. Whatever, we'll see. He played played better in Senior Bowl. And I, I'll keep kind of keep those to myself. I just kind of felt completion percentage needs to be better as mistakes. But he did pretty well in the Senior Bowl game, actually, that second half. But what is your thoughts on, like, Josh Allen, like, Jets? I see Cardinals. I see maybe even Cleveland. What's your quick assessment of him? Because people seem to – one of the most during that week kind of splinter between, oh, he's amazing. He throws it like a rocket. He misses the net when nobody's guarding him. Or, I mean, when nobody's in his face or no defenders. So, like, what's your – thoughts on him because it seems either you love him or hate him for most people yeah he has all the tools you, you look at him you look at him uh, throw the ball against air like in the senior ball practices before before the practice starting you know, on the warm-ups you can see how the ball comes off his hand i mean it just it, it just fires out there i mean you, you see the arm strength the velocity on his throws he has the arm time to make throws at all three levels of the field he's done to it consistently and he saw it with a completion percentage over his career at wyoming you saw it with the decision making he's mixed he has the wow what uh, kind of throws as a quarterback. We see wow on one throw, and the next one you're like, next three throws, you're like, man, what was that? Why can't I get the ones you threw earlier? But Josh Allen, he, you said, I mean, this guy has, this guy's potential is sky high, and, he, and that's the reason why he's going to go top 10 in this class. Because you don't see quarterbacks with those kind of tools escape the top 10. So to me, I think he's not getting past Denver at number five, Ooh. simply because he showed out, he showed out at the senior bowl. Um, under the Denver coaching staff, and you see the Denver coaching staff definitely um, gravitate towards him as the week went on. And even in the Senior Bowl game, you could see the Denver coaching staff, you know, they leaned on Josh Allen to help them, you know, in the game. Um, to me, I, I think you're going to see a lot of trademark. You're going to see a big trade market to get ahead of Denver in that fifth spot. So you can see 
Indianapolis diving out of there. You can see Arizona trading up, you know, way up. I can see Arizona trading way up if they don't get a quarterback free agency. You can see New Orleans trading way up to get into the top five in next year's picks. Hmm. You can see teams teams are going to try to get ahead of Denver because they know Denver's going to he's not going to escape. Uh, Denver's not going to. Denver's not going to pass on Josh Allen. Am I, I can't say that right now. That's well, my bold prediction because okay. the coaching staff there, they love him, and then they need a quarterback to develop in the future. And if they don't go up, go up to Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen is not going to escape Denver Broncos at number five. Even more so than Baker Mayfield because they made a pretty big deal about wanting him on their team at Senior Bowl. Is that just, just because or that's just they wanted him? Like, that was kind of a big well, deal where they really wanted him on their team. Yeah. They made it beforehand. Yeah, well, I think they wanted him on their team. They wanted to get a look at all the quarterbacks. They especially want to get a look at Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield side by side. Okay. And I think when you look at the two quarterbacks, I think when you look at what John Elway's liked in a quarterback and when he's drafted, look at Paxton Lynch. He hasn't worked out. But when you look at a guy, when you look at John Elway and look at that front office, how they judge quarterbacks, I can tell you right now, they're going to value Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. Just the, this is the traits they value, and I think they're going to have him high on their board, and that's why I think he's not going to skate five if they don't get a guy like Kirk Cousins or Case Keenum in the free agency. Can I ask you this, then, because John Elway hasn't been a good job evaluating quarterbacks. Like, are they reaching to get Allen that high? I know they may like him. Not, I'm not knocking to tell if he's good or not, but Lynch hasn't been great. They overpaid for Osweiler, then Houston type stuff. They, Houston came in and got him. He's been terrible. Like, their quarterback situation has been a complete mess. So, do you right. like, by like not like again not to say Allen to be bad because he goes to Denver, but how well do you judge LA's quarterback evaluation? Because he hasn't really done a good job, in my opinion, of picking guys to start. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm not trying to credit LA at all for. for, for oh, I see. Evaluation. Okay, I, mean, I just gotcha. Yeah, I, I just think you know I think Paxton Lynch is you know he's going towards the bust right now, I and mean, then they traded up to get him. And I'm just saying like the way LA values quarterbacks, I just think that he's going to value Allen over Mayfield. I personally value Mayfield over Allen a ton. I have Mayfield near my top ten. I have Allen in the third round. So I think those guys, uh, in, my, in terms of my board, I would not take Allen until day two. But, again, I think Elway will take him in the first round. I think he'll take him high. But this all depends on what he does in free agency. Because you can see Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. going to Denver as a key landing spot. You can see Case Keenum going there. I think Denver's best option is to look for a free new quarterback. But if they don't, Look for Josh Allen to be that fifth okay. pick unless someone trades up ahead of him. Yeah, those moves and Alex Smith and all those type of stuff kind of can. And so it's hard to predict now where any quarterback could really go because I, who knows if Cleveland will grab Kirk Cousins or anybody for agency. And it's right. that'll be interesting. But third round, okay. I just, yeah, trying to get a gauge on who's saying what for Allen. But also, you may have third round grade, but we you know there's quarterback needy. They will trade up. Like, look, like go back to Deshaun Watson and the Texans. Look at the maneuvers they made, multi deals to. Get a quarter to get him in place. If you look at the overall deal, wasted money in Brock Osweiler, traded with Cleveland a couple times just to get the guy, and it looks like it's going to be worth it. So teams want to make these types of moves to get the guy they think is going to be the guy, and it works out great. Well, hopefully it does for him, but it's a. Uh, so you think what, what's Denver 5? So my what I've seen, I've seen the Jets may want him. Arizona's been a pretty big deal because they don't have a quarterback anymore. Like, where would you say, would he, let me ask you this real quick then before we kind of tune this up, finish this up here. Would you want Josh on your team to start day one? I know you have a third round pick, but do you think he's ready to start for, if he does go to Denver, if he does go to Cleveland, any, Arizona, would they be a spot where he could start day one and you'd be comfortable with that? I would not be comfortable starting Josh Allen day one. I think when you look at the traits, you, you want him to sit behind a quarterback where you can keep developing the nuance of the quarterback position. But you look at the decision-making, you look at his footwork, it's really out of whack right now. Um, 
you, you want Josh, you want to love the traits Josh Allen puts out, but the consistency makes you hate him on tape because you're like, why can't you make those throws on a consistent basis? That's what you know makes these scouts pull their hair out with Josh Allen, but the GM's going to ask their coaches, the GM's going to watch a 20-play cut-up of Josh Allen, they're going to watch his 20 best throws, and they're going to say, hey, coaches, make Josh Allen consistent with these kind of throws. Make him consistent with the staff. You don't have to play, they're not going to play him right away. No team is going to draft him and say, all right, Josh Allen, you're, we're going to throw you to the wolves. No, what's going to happen is they're going to try to develop this coach. The GM's going to draft him top 10. As you can see, his 20 best throws. He's going to ask the coaching staff to make him the best out of that. So, to me, Josh Allen will not get top 10, but I do not see him starting day one in the NFL. Excellent. Good to know. That's what I thought. So I also think maybe the Giants could be a spot two, but number two overall could be uh, they need a lot of work on other things. But throwing him checking at the Odell Beckham might be pretty good, but uh, we'll see. Well, it goes down there. Because I'd give him a spot to kind of not play for at least a year or so with Eli Manning still being around. That's why I'm kind of with you. Like, if he's going to be a guy you're taking early, you want to have another quarterback to, at minimum, do what. Um, Oh, who did it? Reese, I forget who, but I guess Texans kind of did it. Sitting Watson for a li- very little, but I think he needs at least half a year to do something where he can kind of see what goes on before he gets out there. And that wouldn't be at the Saints because Drew Brees wouldn't be at the Giants year one playing time. It'd only be the teams that really need a quarterback. And so I don't know, I'd, I'd be risky, risky too, to have him start from day one. But uh, is there any other, uh, before we wrap this up, is there any other guys I missed, like within the Mountain West or anything that you say, hey, I want to talk about this guy or any other? Any other players that you want to mention that I didn't go over with you, or are those just the main four guys? I, I think there's a quarterback prospect from Mountain West that I wouldn't draft. That's guy Nick Stevens oh, from Colorado State. No, I like um, Nick Stevens a bit. Why do you not want to draft see, him? <laughs> see, uh, when you look at, he's kind of the same way. When you look at his tape, you see like his twenty best throws. Like, well, that's a draftable quarterback prospect. That's the guy you can at least groom and look at. When you look at the whole picture. Look at a guy who misses a lot of throws. You guys make a lot of bad decisions. And to me, I, I don't think I don't think the defense has made him pay for all those decisions. But when you get to the NFL level, I think it's gonna be too fast for him. So I think I will, I think he's going to get consideration in the late rounds, and he could be a you know a, a hot a hot commodity prospect in the undrafted market. But I would let some other team make that risk. I'll let some other team develop him because I think that. The game is going to be either too fast for him, or he's going to keep uh, keep the bad decisions. They should keep piling the bad decisions, and I don't see that changing for a quarterback prospect. I don't see an inaccurate quarterback getting more accurate at the next level. So to me, Nick Stevens is a guy who is interesting when you look at his twenty best throws. When I look at the whole picture, I just don't see myself drafting Nick Stevens, our GM. But again. It only takes one team to fall in love with him to draft him. All right, let me follow up real quick. One thing you said that a little confusion on my part. You say he won't get better completion percentage, but Josh Allen's like a fifty-four percent. That was kind of my knock. So is he, can he get better at that? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's that's my biggest thing with Josh Allen. Okay, just I think we look at gotcha. So that's why that's why I don't like Josh Allen as a quarterback prospect and where he's going to get drafted because we look at a guy who's inaccurate in college. Is he going to get more accurate in the NFL? Because, he, like I said, you look at his 20 best throws, you you chart them, 1 through 20, like, wow, this guy could be a franchise quarterback. But when you look at the whole look at the whole picture, this guy's not making accurate throws on a consistent basis. If he can't do that, then he's not going to do that at the NFL level, regardless of how much he develops. So I'm not sure if he's ever going to get that level, if he's ever going to get more accurate than a guy like Blake Bortles. You don't know. But a team's going to fall, you know, 
one of my, one of the most uh, analysts I respect the most, Dane Brewer. He calls them scouting catnip because a lot of these guys, you know, they have great arm talent, they have great arm strength, they have all tools, all the intangibles, but they look at the finer details of his game and they overlook that because they look at the tools he possesses. Mm-hmm. So he's going to go top ten, but you wonder if that's too high for him. It's not fair to the kid because. He's not accurate, and we wonder if he's going to get more accurate next level. That completion percentage you mentioned, you know, kind of Christian Hackenberg syndrome. Christian Hackenberg was the same thing at Penn State. Never had a completion percentage of about 60%. He goes to the Jets and hasn't done anything yet. So you wonder if the guy's going to get more accurate next level because that completion percentage at the college level. Gotcha. Okay, I just, said that. I'm like, I tried to go back because that's my thing because I've always said with Alan, Last well, I guess when he had like Brian Hill and Tanner Gentry, he had a lot of guys, NFL talent, is complete at catching receiving section, and his percentage was basically the same. And so my argument was, well, if it's talent around him, why was he not amazing like sixty five plus last year, when this year is like not nobody's but new guys working with. So I was just curious about that because that's my big thing too. But all right, but. Spend a lot of time here, so thank you, Jonah, for hopping on with us, chatting about all these Mountain West guys here. So if you want to find his stuff, obviously highly recommend doing it. Go to Jonah Toll's NFL on Twitter, and I have it right here. Make sure it's correct. NDTScouting.com. You do a lot of good stuff. I've like Also, guys are like Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, other couple guys I've chatted with before. But thanks for hopping on, and we'll see how draft day goes. But it um, should be good stuff. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Once again, thank you very much for Jonah Tolls for joining us at Jonah Tolls NFL. Had a few tech issues before, and apparently I didn't hit record on time, so the first 90 seconds was gone, but I will just deal with it. It just asked about his background, which he's done quite extensively, as you can tell from hearing. But it's good stuff. Interesting. He does not like Nick Stevens at all, apparently. Well, not as much as I do. He thinks that could be a mistake drafting him, but great stuff on Richard Penny. He's a high in him. Could see him going as a second-round pick. So good stuff. Also, what I really liked was how he – compares players who play at different levels of competition where you mentioned Penny, yeah, group of five mid-major, not as much same competition that is being faced by guys like Ronald, the guys from USC, uh, Penn State, uh, Barkley, those type of guys. I know Bryce Love's not out yet, but those type of competitions week in, week out. But he notes he has the traits. Like he, the height thing is kind of humorous that height's overrated, but it's like I kind of mentioned, and he backed up as well or said at first that, you're kind of a bot, not a boxy guy, but have the frame. It's a good deal because we mentioned Donald Pumphrey. He's like 170, but if Penny's right around 200, who cares if he's 5'10, 5'11, under six foot round, six foot position? And I like the teams he could go to. Um, Raiders are brought up, Texans. I forgot about Dante Freeman, so apologies to those who were yelling at me for, hey, I got that guy. But seeing Penny go to the Lions, going to Seattle, going to the Raiders, some good stuff. And also got a little bit of Josh Allen talk, not a ton which I hope most people appreciate because I've hammered it down quite a bit chatting about Allen. But one of his thoughts, third-round pick, um, but think that sees him like there's a difference, folks, that from saying where these guys evaluate the quarterbacks to where they'll be picked or because teams are QB needy, like I mentioned my example with Sean Watson. Houston Texans did a lot of maneuvering just to end up with him, getting Brock Osweiler, trading him, taking on a lot of contract, trading multiple draft picks to get there. It's a process to find your quarterback, but when you find him, it's great, but teams will move up. Chiefs moved up last year to prepare now because they don't have Alex Smith, who's with uh, Washington. There's a lot of stuff going on with quarterbacks, but he has a third-round grade out of him. But it's interesting to note that Denver is where he thinks he'll end up just because how John Elway evaluates the quarterbacks. Even though they haven't been great, I, I'm glad he clarified. I'm glad I asked that as well, saying it's not like John Elway's been a great guy of getting quarterbacks to play well. He's not the coach, but he's drafting the guys. He has traits he likes. So hope maybe Josh Allen will be that guy. And... 
it's good stuff like mentioning Cedric Wilson, um, Michael Gallup, those type of guys that, that can make impact. And with Wilson, him showing he's taking the stuff he's learned and improving all week at Senior Bowl practice, great stuff. So appreciate Jonah for hopping on with us. And again, check out all their stuff. Like he does a lot of good stuff over at ndtscouting.com. If you go to Twitter, NDT Scouting LLC is him. Like I mentioned, those guys, Kyle Krabs, I've chatted with before, uh, Joe Marino, all those guys do great stuff. They update things all the time over on their website. But go find his up link that Richard Penny PC did. Does a good breakdown. But like what he says about Penny, like he has the movements where his vision is very good, where he can sidestep and get open. He can that pass and catch in the senior bowl where he got a great pass down the sideline. And yeah, I like how he mentioned pass blocking is something every single running back in the NFL as a rookie needs to learn on learn about and do. So we'll see how it goes for Penny. Draft long ways away. We'll have other draft guys coming up. And so we'll wrap up the show now. And um this might, hopefully this sounds great because me and uh Good old buddy Matt Kennerly are doing some other stuff on the this podcast, so maybe I'll have to fix this, but we'll see. But uh, thanks for tuning in. Again, subscribe. Go to Apple Podcasts. Go to Stitcher. iTunes if you – well, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, same thing. But give us a review. Tell us how we're doing. We're trying to do a good job, hoping to enlighten people during the draft season, like our basketball stuff we're doing. But, yeah, give us a uh, give us a like on Twitter. Give us a follow on Instagram over there too. Give us a review on, pod, on like I said, Apple. We're on Stitcher, Block Talk Radio. Tune in. So listen, share friend. If you have an Aztec fan who never heard us before, give us the instead of this section interview for the uh, this pod particular one, just because hey, talked a lot of Penny. But thanks for tuning in, and we'll be we'll be back next time for another. Uh, I don't want to promise what's next because some of these might not be in the order we're looking for or what you're looking for when you're listening. Because hey, podcast you can listen whenever the heck you want. So for all those who tuned in, uh, thank you very much again. Check us out at mwr.com.